Well, I'm going to be speaking with you today about, man, this theme that, that Pete sang about this morning. Hey, Pete, thanks for singing a song that you're always too scared to sing in church. <laughs> what a powerful song about the precious blood of Jesus and the fact that he paid it all for us. It's Palm Sunday. Somebody say amen. You go into your Bible, you're going to see this is the triumphal entry. This is when Jesus comes in to Jerusalem as he is preparing to go to the cross for you. It's a big deal. And as he's coming in, they're laying palm branches down before him. He's riding in on the donkey's, uh, donkey's colt, just like it had been prophesied before that he was going to. And they say this in John 12, 13. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. He's coming. This is, this is pomp. Not on the highest level, but this is pomp. <laughs> there is a contingent within the city who recognizes who he is, and they are welcoming him into the city. Their king. They don't know what's about to happen for him. And it's only days later that another crowd says, Crucify him! This is the same Israel. The hearts are all in. The hearts are all out. They're on one day. They're out the next day. When you read through the Bible, and you read through the, the story of God's people through the Old Testament, you see how People keep re recommitting themselves to God. There's covenants, and they commit to God, and then there's drift. And there's recommitment to God, and then there's drift. And there's recommitment to God, and then there's drift. I know none of us have ever experienced that in our own lives, right? I'm so thankful for the testimony of God's faithfulness to His people and His faithfulness to His covenant, which goes beyond anything that we could ever perform into. He knew we couldn't. He knew we couldn't. He knew that it, when He gave us the law that we were going to fail. He, he didn't second-guess that. He wasn't surprised by that. He knew it was going to happen. What's amazing is that with all the failings that have happened in the people of God over all of time, we still keep moving forward and progressing to the end of time and he's still continuing to purify his church and strengthen us and bring about the bride of Christ who will come to the marriage, the wedding day with the Lamb. So all the times we stumble and we fall down, he's there to pick us back up again. All the time we just mess it up, like Peter denying him three times, Jesus comes back and reinstates him three times. And he brings him forward to help lead the church into whole new dimensions, to establish the church here in the earth. And here we are now with countless millions and billions across time that have been followers of Christ. It's taken us a long time to get here and we're not done yet. But God, God recognizes that our hearts are fickle. Last week I spoke to you about be holy because he is holy. And we had a call to holiness, looking at the evidence of what's in our hearts by what comes out in our mouths. 
We want to purify our mouths, but ultimately, that's not where it starts. It starts in here. It says, we were led today to pray and sing, asking God to purify our hearts, to cleanse our hearts, transform me, renew me, make me new in my heart. Because out of the heart flows all of our actions and all of our activities. I'd like to take us into Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 6. It's a really interesting passage here. Because God's talking to his people through Malachi. And he makes note here, first of all, about, about tithes. Okay? And then he goes into their view about righteousness and living righteously before him. So I'm going to read through this. This is not a message about tithing, but tithing is part of this message. Okay? It says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God's coming after something that they can see, they can touch, they can feel. And we can also see and touch and feel that ourselves today. So tithing is about us recognizing who our source is. It's about us recognizing that God has given us everything. Everything that we have is His. We are mere stewards of it. So when we tithe back to Him, we're representing with that that 10%, that first fruits, we're saying, God, it's yours. It's all yours. And I recognize it's yours. So so I'm giving it back to you. Part of me recognizing that you're my source is responding to you in a way that demonstrates that I know it's yours and I'm going to give it back to you. See, what happens is we try to, in our own strength, protect what it is that we have, that we've earned, that we've made. All in quotation marks. We try to own it all. And so we establish our, our fences around what we've made, and we think we can protect what is ours. Now, the principle should be we are stewards of God's resources, and we are to steward them well, and we're to be responsible with them. But we need to understand first and foremost that it's God's, and He is willing to protect that above and beyond anything that we can. And as we honor Him, His promise to us is, I'll protect it. Watch. Your fields will be plentiful. Watch. You're not going to have disease come and hit your plants. You're going to have a land that is bountiful, and it's going to be a demonstration of your faithfulness to me, recognizing who I am as your source, as your God. So this is a seen thing, right? So he deals with it on that level. It's an, it's an outcropping of what's coming from the heart, but it's a seen thing. But he goes deeper than that. He says, You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. 
Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call, this is, this one hit me hard. But now we call the arrogant blessed. See the turn in the heart there? It's often subtle for us. And, and we feel it like this. I'm doing all these things. I'm trying to be good. I'm, I'm tithing. I'm, I'm, I'm following what I'm, no, I'm supposed to be doing. I'm trying to pray. And I just keep getting more hard stuff coming at me. But look at that guy. He's over there and he's, he's not doing any of that. I'd have so much more money if I wasn't tithing. I, 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 God's not disciplining them or punishing them because they're not doing that, but I'm supposed to do this. And we see our hearts start to drift and get tugged those, those different ways. Again, this is not a, a message about tithing. It's a part of the message. There's a principle here because they're actual things that we can measure and feel and touch. But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Man, Lord, you disciplined me when I had the smallest little thing that I did. Well, he disciplines you because he loves you. But look at that guy. He's just flaunting things and getting away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. God sees everything. He sees everything. Not just the negative things. He sees everything. He sees all the little decisions that you make, those micro decisions that say, I'm not going to say that. Or, you know... I shouldn't be investing my time in this right now. You know, I should probably call that person and, and just listen to them. I'm about to lose my temper. I'm going to go take five and take a walk right now. I'm going to go reconnect with my father. He sees all of it. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence, in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. Make note of that term right there, my treasured possession, because that is a, a central theme to today's message. They will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. See, all of this plays out in eternity. God starts out with the temporal things that we can focus on. Look at all them. They, they're not doing all the things that you're calling us to do, God, and they're getting away with it. And their, their storehouses are, are busted. Look at the car that they're driving. Look at all the ways that they're being blessed, and they're not following you. And God says, I see this whole thing from eternity. You're looking at this from an earthly mindset. I remember every single thing that you have done. I remember every little act. I remember every sacrifice that you have paid. I remember it all, and I see it all, and it all comes in eternity. That's when it all comes back. Because in the end, it's not what happens and how it plays out in the here and now that matters. What happens is, 
At the end of days, are you going to stand on his right or on his left? Are you going to stand on his right or his left? Did you follow him or didn't you? Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. The thieves cannot come in and steal. And he comes after their attitudes and their hearts. And his promise is this. That those who follow after him will be his treasured possession. We talked last week about being holy. Be holy. Be holy because he is holy. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to step into holiness. You can't earn holiness, but it is now available to you because you live in him. If you've given your heart to Jesus, if you said, come be my king, I want to follow you, take me out of darkness into light, I recognize you paid the price for my sins, and I want to live my life in you now, Lord. You have the opportunity to be holy, set apart, consecrated, a people not of this world, You're not a citizen here. You're a foreigner here. You are a foreigner in this world. This place is not your home. You're an ambassador here for the kingdom. You're an ambassador for your king who is your father. This message is summed up in this statement. And it's an invitation. Be His. Be His. His own possession. His treasure. His treasured possession. You're going to see evidence of this throughout Scripture, going all the way back into the Old Testament and into the New Testament. I'm going to start with 1 Corinthians 6. 19 and 20. And I've read some of these scriptures with you over the past couple times I've been with you. You're going to hear similar themes today because God is going after something. He is drawing you to Him. He is asking you to lift your eyes and see Him at a higher level. See yourself at a higher level with Him. Have greater expectancy for what He wants to do with your life. God has a glorious, magnificent, powerful dream for you. Some of us are caught up inside our minds thinking that that's for everybody else, but we're just meant to be down here. That's not really real. He hasn't really called me to a glorious life. He hasn't really called me to be an overcomer. He hasn't really called me to be a king and a priest. That's for everybody else. If you believe that, or if it feels right, If it feels true, thank you, son. Stop believing that lie. I'm going to speak some truth today. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. 
You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And as I've said recently, this is in a section talking about sexual immorality, but the point here is true. The Holy Spirit dwells within you, and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He resides inside you. You carry him around with you. If you're a Christian, this is true of you. If you're not a Christian, this can be true of you. Because the promise is open to all of us. In Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, we have this just amazing passage here. There's a lot packed in here. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. What is that? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Folks, he's coming back. Our king's going to be returning. He is our coming king. Our blessed hope is the return of him. The consummation of the age. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Eager to do what is good. There's a lot packed in there. He's telling us that his grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to, to who we were before, the, the types of acts that we were caught in up, caught up in before. Teaches us to say no to those things and exchange that for a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present time. So you weren't, you weren't saved and just sitting here now waiting to go to heaven when you die. You were saved for a purpose. You were, you were meant and you were destined to show God and His character in your life here on earth. While we wait for Him, He's given us a mission. And this right here, our great God and Savior, our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. To redeem is to, to pay for, to release something out of a payment. Something that's been bound up. To pay the ransom for something. To free it. We've been freed from wickedness to a place where He can purify us as His people for Himself. See, in Romans chapter 6, the whole section 15 through 20, I'm not going to read the whole thing. There's a a passage there that talks about how we were slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. We couldn't be righteous before because we were slaves to sin. But now because he's redeemed us, we are slaves to righteousness. Starting in verse 19. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. See, one has a destination, 
The other has another destination. Let's see what else he says. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. It's such an interesting turn of a phrase, right? You were free from the control of righteousness in your life. Righteousness had nothing over you when you were a slave to sin. What benefit did you reap at that time from things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Sin leads to death. But now that you have been set free from sin, remember, you've been redeemed. You've been, those chains are off. What's been binding you before to sin is gone. You have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. So one leads to eternal death. The other leads to eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, one is your payment. Your due payment for sin is death. And you can't get out of that on your own. You can't earn your way out of that. But the gift of God, this isn't the payment of God, this isn't the wages of God, this is the gift of God, is eternal life. In Christ Jesus. That's an important thing. In Christ Jesus. It's not just, God gave you eternal life, now Go about your day. Have a nice life. Thanks, God. No, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's only one way to receive that eternal life. There's only one way for us to get to the Father. There's only one way for us to be redeemed. There's only one way for our sins to be forgiven, and that is by Jesus Christ. A people that are his very own. God has always wanted a people that are his very own. His own possession. Consecrated. Set apart. So much so that he was willing to pay the ultimate price for that reality. He paid the ultimate price for that reality. In 1 Peter chapter 1, starting verse 17. This is going to get into the value that God has placed on you. How do you know how valuable something is? How much you're willing to pay for it, right? Home values have been going up recently. People are willing to pay more money for a house right now. The value of that thing has increased. The value of other things have gone down. Gas went down for a while. I think it's creeping back up now, right? But how much we're willing to pay for something designates how valuable it is. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your ancestors. There again, redeemed. You're going to hear that. Redeemed. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. There's a price that's been paid for you. There's a price that's been paid for you, and somebody owns you. You were owned before, whether you realized it or not. If you're not Christ's, you're somebody else. 
You might think that you're your own, but you're not. You don't have a choice in the matter. You might think that you are, and it's a great delusion because it keeps you there. You have, you know, that was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. We're in Passover right now. Remember the story in the Exodus where they painted the blood of the lamb on the lintels and the doorposts of their their dwellings and the spirit of death passed over them? That was the final straw. That was the tenth plague. That was the final straw. And finally Pharaoh said, enough, get out. It was the blood of the Lamb that set them free. Right? It's the blood of the Lamb that sets you free. In Exodus, that's the type in the shadow of the real that was to come. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God. He was chosen before Time began before earth began. You think you, that Adam and Eve sinned and it surprised God and, oh shoot, what are we going to do now? How are we going to get them back? No, he knew this was going to happen. He had to give you free will so that you could prove that you loved him and so that he could prove that he is love. And all this whole thing plays out. The lamb was chosen before the beginning of the world. The precious blood of Christ is the value of your life. God gave the ultimate sacrifice for you. I don't care what you look at your life and all the different ways you've seen you've failed. I don't care how low you think you might be. I don't even care how high and exalted you think you might be. Jesus paid the price for you. He paid the price for your sin. He came into time and space, lived a pure, spotless, unblemished life, fulfilling prophecies about who he was supposed to be. And then he went to the cross for you, and his blood was poured out in a new covenant. It's the precious blood of the Lamb. That's the value of you and everybody else. The blood of the Lamb redeems us. It brings freedom for us. You know, when they left Egypt, they had to go through the Red Sea, right? That's a baptism experience. They go through the water. And when the water closes up on the other side of them, their old life has no access to them any longer. When you are baptized into Christ, your old life has no access to you any longer. The blood already redeemed you. Baptism changes that access to you. You say, I am his, and you're in a whole new state now. Look what happened for them. They're journeying through the desert. But see, the point wasn't just so that they would be redeemed. 
He had a purpose. He had a destiny. He had a calling for them. In Exodus 19, 3 through 6, we see this. This is there at the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He brought them up out of there to himself. He's bringing them to himself. Now, if you obey me and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Remember that term? There it is again. My treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. The Israelites agree to it, then they renege on it a little bit. They don't really want to go up there with him. And we get the law. But here's God's plan. He says, I want a nation of priests, a kingdom of them, a holy nation. I own everything already, but I want a special possession. I want a special people, a treasure. This term, treasured possession, is, is a powerful term. I'm going to read to you from a, from a commentary. This is the, the pulpit commentary. A people, the peculiar property or treasure of God. Peculiar, being derived from the Latin peculium, one's own private property, reserved for one's own private use. In the authorized version, peculiar expresses the sense exactly from whom it is borrowed, is meant to define either that special reserved portion of a man's property over and above what he spends for ordinary expenses, which nobody can interfere with, or those jewels on which he sets a special value and places safely in his treasury. Think about what that's, what's, what's being described in that. See, God says, I own the whole thing already, but I want my special treasure. I want you to be my my own treasured possession. I want to be able to, I'm going to protect that. I'm willing to go above and beyond anything that I would do for any of, any of the rest of my creation, anything else that I own. I don't care about that as much as I care about you. That's where his heart was for Israel. What does this mean about how we see our own value? How is it that God values us? How do we value the sacrifice that he made for us? Does this change that a little bit as we understand how he sees us set apart from everything else that he has? What does this mean about how we choose to honor and live in honor for the value he places on us, the price that he paid for our freedom to make us his own. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. This price, this idea of a treasure possession is like a jewel. It's like the thing of highest value. It's what you would protect the most. And it says this here, as you come to him, the living stone, this is Christ, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. See, Christ is precious to him as well. 
you also, like living stones, Jesus is the living stone, but you are little Christs. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a, here it is again, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. You trust in Jesus, you will never be put to shame. He is absolutely faithful. Your trust will never be misplaced if you place it in Him. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Those that you that believe in Christ, you see this, this stone, this living stone, this, this Christ, He's precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. You can't get around Christ. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people. This right here. This is it. This is it. As I'm reading this to you, think about this personally. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Here it is, guys. God's special possession. This is the same terminology. It's the same concept that goes back to what we talked about there in Exodus where where God says, I want you to be my special possession. I want you to be my special treasure. He's saying that here about us because he's always had this dream. He's always wanted this. He's been doing this. He's been at this. And here's what Peter's saying. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You're not just a royal priesthood and a holy nation. If it was just a royal priesthood and a holy nation, that's that's the terminology he used with Israel. But he calls you a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. There's a kingly nature to us because he is our father. You are his heir. You're both kings and priests. You weren't just delivered from your sins for the pure fact of being delivered from your sins. For the pure fact that you could have freedom there from sin now. He's called you into a glorious future, a glorious promise. He's called you to be kingly. He's called you to be royal. He's called you to be a priest. He's given you gifts. And he wants to awaken those in you. And he wants you to give them back to him. All the way back to the beginning of this message. How do you demonstrate that you know that he is your source? Of your income, you give it back to him. How is it that you know that you receive the other gifts that he's given you? You give him praise for it. You acknowledge him in all your ways. God, thank you because you've given me my family. Thank you because you've given me my job. Thank you that you've given me my life. 
Thank you that you've spared me. Thank you that you've given me your word. We give it back to him. Hallelujah. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're not supposed to look like the world any longer, folks. The things that come from our mouths, the attitudes of our hearts, it's not supposed to look anything like the world any longer. He transforms us by the renewing of our mind. You were called to be more. You were placed here in time and space, not to just bide your time, but to extol the glories and the character of your king. To bring his kingdom with you everywhere you go. To represent him, not yourself. Represent him. Put him on display. In Ephesians, we see this. Chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Is there anybody who's left out of that? Is anybody left out of that? No. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then we see this in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Are any of his people left out of that? No. All of his people have been called to works of service. All of his people have been given gifts. The equipping ministries are there to equip you, to help bring those those gifts forward, to mature them, so that you put God on display as he has designed since before the beginning of time to be put on display through you. You're in Christ. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You no longer are ruled by sin. You're now ruled by righteousness. You now have the opportunity to step into holiness because He is holy. You have the opportunity to have your life transformed by the Holy Spirit so you don't look like you did before you came to Christ. You're a new creation. And you're meant to show Him forth so that others come to Him. They see your light and they come out of darkness towards your light. Because the light that's in you is Him. It's not anything you've done. It's not anything you own. It's only what you've been given to steward. How much of Him are you willing to show 
in the life that he has given you to lead. You are his. If you're in Christ, you are his. What, what all of you is his? Your life is his. Your job is his. Your family is his. Your marriage is his. Your house is his. Your car is his. Your bank account, every cent in there, it's his. Your relationships, they're his. Your hopes, your dreams, your plans, they're his. Your breath that you're breathing right now, it's his. Your gifts, they're his. Your talents, they're his. Your future, it's his. Actually, your past, his now too. It's all his. Have you given it to him? Have you given him your life? Have you given him your your time? Have you handed your relationships to him? Your marriage, your children, your family, your friends. That problem you're having on the job, you just can't seem to get through right now. Did you give it to him? It's his. And watch what happens as you hand over your life and everything that he has given you to steward back to him. It's all his. So be his. You're his. Be his. Let it show forth in your life. Be his. It's pretty incredible when you realize you don't have to carry the weight of everything that's on your shoulders. It's all his. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So hand everything over to him because it's already his. Your life is his. Your future is his. It's all his. Let's honor him with it. If you don't know Jesus, you can be his. He already paid the price for you. He went to the cross for you. God loves you so much. He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have every everlasting life. He came in bodily form to live as a man to feel all the feels that you feel. To go through all the hurt, all the pain, all the disappointments, all the same thing that you feel. He was tempted in every way that we have been, yet without sin. So that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you. See, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to free the world. He sent him in there to redeem us. Not only so that we could step from darkness into light and just have our foot in the door, but so that we could step into the glorious future that he has for us. You have that opportunity today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know him today. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you've never prayed this before, pray it with me. If you've prayed it before, you can pray it with me. I've recommitted my life to the Lord dozens of times. Lord Jesus, I want to be your own. I know that you came to die for me.
to set me free from sin. Lord, I want to step out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I confess, Lord, that I have sinned. I choose today to follow you. Come be my king. I give you my life. I'll follow you every day of my life. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit will give witness to your spirit that you are His. You are your Father's. And it's by that Spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. You are a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Step away from the things that you've, you've done in the past. Anticipate that God will give you the power that's necessary to overcome every temptation that would come your way. That He will transform your life and conform you to the image of His Son. Not just for your benefit, for the benefit of those that are around you, that they would see the kingdom of God on display everywhere your foot, your foot falls. Hallelujah. Do we have any messages? Prophetic ministry? Okay. I'm going to close with this. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Yay! It's Resurrection Sunday. Next Sunday is about be alive. Be alive. Listen, we have life available to us because Jesus proved that he had power over death, victory over death, and the resurrection. We're going to talk about that next week. Easter Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Saturday night, we're having our pursuit night here. The day before Easter, come on in here, 6 to 7.30. We're going to praise and worship the Lord. We put videos up. We usually do Maverick City music. If you haven't looked up Maverick City music yet on YouTube, go do it. Just do yourself a favor and get in the presence of the Lord and worship Him and praise Him and glorify Him and lift Him up. We want to be in the presence of God as we usher Easter in this year. It's been a year. So come on in. Come here at 6 o'clock on Saturday. We're just going to praise and worship the Lord. We're going to be in His presence. We're going to focus on Him. We're going to glorify Him. We're going to magnify Him. We're going to exalt Him. We're going to lift His praises back to Him. We're going to tell Him how good He is, how faithful He is. We're going to thank Him for giving His life for us. We're going to thank Him for the, the blood that He poured out for us. We're going to just praise and worship Him. I invite you into that time. It's a good time. You get the presence of God here. Oh, anything can happen in the presence of God. Would you stand? We're going to do communion, so please grab your communion cup. And at home, whatever you got available that represents communion today. Oreo cookies and milk. Graham crackers and coffee. I don't know how that would go, but
when Jesus went to the cross and he was hanging on the cross, his side was pierced. When Adam needed a bride, God put him into a deep sleep and he removed a rib and he fashioned a bride for him. Christ, who is the last Adam, had his side pierced because his bride is being reinserted. You are his bride. His body was broken for you. His blood was poured out for you. This is a new covenant. This represents what we've been talking about today. Your value. Your value. How much are you worth? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. God. His blood. That's how much you're worth. On your worst day, you're worth the precious blood of Jesus. On your best day, you're worth the precious blood of Jesus. Your value doesn't go up and down like the stock market or housing, gallons of gas. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you that you poured it out for our sin. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you that you wanted us to be a nation, a royal priesthood, your precious possession. Lord, thank you that I am yours. Just say that with me. Lord, thank you that I am yours. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you that you broke your body for me. That you willingly went to the cross for me. We thank you. In Jesus' name, take, eat, and drink. Hallelujah. We're going to come and receive those cups back here. So just put them in the bucket as they come by. At home, we don't have a bucket for you, but you probably have a trash receptacle. Just want to invite you again. Next Sunday, we're going to be out on the back lawn. It's been a while since we've been out there, but I'm looking forward to it. It was great this last year. Looking forward to seeing the kids do the egg hunt. So please come out for that. For our first-time guests, I'd love to meet with you after the service, get to chat with you. I'm glad you're here with us. We're just going to pray and bless you and release you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus. We are yours. We thank you that we are yours. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would search our hearts, that you would teach us, that you would train us, you would empower us, you would give us strength, Lord, for everything that you have destined for us to do, everything that you have destined for us to become in you. I bless your people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We'll see you all next week. Actually, see you on Saturday for Pursuit Night. It's going to be a good time. God bless you.